The dominance continues next on Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team. Looks deep for Anthony Clark. Waits for it. Yep. Brady gets terrific. Throws it and a touchdown night again. Schultz just before Brazil got him. And a leaping interception by Woodson. Harbaugh back to throw over the middle. Caught by Kohler at the five on his feet. Touchdown, Michigan. Championship again because we're going to play as a team. And when we play as a team, and the old season is over, you and I know it's going to be Michigan again. Michigan. Go Blue, I'm Steve Dace. Welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Another week, another dominant performance by your beloved Michigan Wolverines. And I know this schedule is soft. Now, it's not quite as soft as maybe you think. According to Sagarin, Michigan's schedule ranks, I think it's 69th in the country right now. So that's right in the middle when you're talking about 134, 135 teams. Again, not great, but, you know, it, we're not talking it's in the hundreds either. Um Here's the thing, though, when trying to discern, because I'm a big resume guy. Now, when I put my own rankings together, it's about 60% resume, 40% analytics and eye test, which to me are kind of the same thing. Um, they're doing to these kinds of teams what you should be doing if you're the kind of team that people think can win a national championship. I mean, Michigan is, uh, this is the first time in program history They've had this many 30-point games in a row. So, I mean, we're talking going back to the point-a-minute era under fielding Yost. We're on the brink of the longest Big Ten winning streak the program has ever had. When you look at the analytics, uh, Michigan ranks number one uh, on Sagarin and SP+, despite, and that's schedule adjusted. The level of dominance here, no team has taken a snap inside Michigan's 10-yard line yet. The level of dominance here is what it looks like if you really are a top contender for the national championship. J.J. McCarthy leads the nation in QBR. 
the offensive line now with Ladarius Henderson uh, ensconced at left tackle and Carson Barnhart back at his more familiar right tackle spot where he plays his best football. That looks to be kind of settled in and now seems to be rounding into shape as one of, again this year, one of the better units in the country. Donovan Edwards still mystified at his start. That's all right. Former four-star recruit Kalel Mullings has really come on and showed now even not just size but explosiveness at running back. I could see him being a guy that is a prolific back for Michigan a year from now. Uh, And then there are just stars all over the defense. Michigan gets two pick sixes in a game for the first time since 2017. Uh, Yes, I don't know how good Nebraska and Minnesota are. I think they're both probably teams fighting for bowl eligibility Thanksgiving weekend at the end of the year. But Michigan's just destroying the spread in these games. Michigan was favored by 18 uh, against Nebraska, won by 38. Favored by 18 again against Minnesota, won by 42. So analytically and according to the eye test, the amount of depth. I mean, P.J. Fleck said this was the, the the best football team he's coached against in his 11 years as a college football head coach. The numbers say that. The data says that. And that's why analytics like SP Plus and Sagarin have Michigan ranked number one. The only thing that holds me back is, again, who you do it against. Now, a lot of the guys on this team did it against Penn State and Ohio State a year ago. But they have the one thing that that holds me back a little bit here, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this in the comments section, is I go back to the Bowling Green game. And the one time this year that the team didn't play well and and faced some adversity, and and two things in that game bothered me. Coming out after halftime, and you go three and out when you probably were making adjustments and had a plan, and that obviously didn't work out. And then the way J.J. McCarthy, who's been so good this year, I mean, if you look at J.J.'s QBR, it's fascinating. There's, it's here, it's here, it's here. Then Bowling Green, it's down here. He got a 10 QBR. And then it's up here, up here, up here for the rest of the games. He has, he literally has an over 90 QBR in five of Michigan's six games and a 10 QBR in the Bowling Green game. You saw him get visibly rattled. And so those are the only two things that I am still why I'm still ranking Michigan in my rankings like around fifth because there are teams on this schedule that can create some adversity for Michigan. I still think they're the best and deepest team in this league, but I don't think the difference between them and Penn state and Ohio state is so great that if the quarterback gets rattled, halftime adjustments aren't there, they can just go ahead and name a score rather than get beat. And so that's the one thing I'm still wanting to see. And we also haven't had the oblique game yet. There's always those kinds of games. We had one against Maryland last year. That was kind of an, an oblique game where for a while there, it looked like Michigan might actually lose before it came back in the second half. So, you know, Ohio State last year against Northwestern was an oblique kind of a game. You know, these are not robots. These are not algorithms. They're humans. And there's going to be weeks that things are not going well or a key player's got some problems in the classroom or with a girlfriend or just isn't feeling right and struggles and makes mistakes. And and they are things that defy computers. I mean, one of the best Michigan teams of my lifetime was the 1992 team that went undefeated, had three ties. Three ties, won the Rose Bowl, won the Big Ten, went undefeated, came out against Illinois in the last home game of the year, just a team loaded with pros and fumbled the ball seven times. Just 
inexplicable, completely inexplicable, and ended up having to forge a tie after fumbling the ball seven times. I mean, stuff happens. They're, these are not, again, formulas or algorithms. They're, they're people. And sometimes it's just not your day. Could be this Saturday. Yeah, I know Indiana's terrible, but Tom Allen's teams have played us tough before. The weather looks like it could be extremely problematic if the current forecast holds up. Might be a lot of precipitation in there. Indiana's, the one unit they have that is good is the defensive front. Gave Ohio State problems, gave Louisville problems there. Um, And so maybe they shut Michigan's running game down. The passing game isn't there, given the weather forecast, uh, in order to, to, you know, uh, to deal with the imbalance. And and now suddenly you're in a grinded out game before you know it, and it might be one turnover the other way goes against you. I still want to see that. Now, hey, I mean, you got James Franklin out there today taking veiled shots at Michigan's schedule as his team gets ready to prepare for UMass after it already played Delaware. Get out of here with that bleep. Nevertheless, though, it's the old Mike Tyson line. Everybody's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. You know, Mike Tyson was one of the greatest fighters that there ever were, but he was an absolute front runner. You know, you think of the fights where he lost historically, whether it's Buster Douglas, whether it's Evander Holyfield, it's where those guys prolonged the engagement. And now Mike Tyson's not going to win because he's got that left hook and this thing is over in the first round. He's going to have to actually box all the way through to the end. And I, I wonder if we're that kind of a team where we can just overload you with brute force But what happens when you're not overloaded and you can hang around for a while? We've yet to see that. Georgia faced that against South Carolina. You look at other teams that faced that around the country as well. Texas faced that against Alabama and Oklahoma. Oklahoma faced it against Texas. Florida State faced that against LSU on the road at Clemson. We haven't faced that yet, and we will. And if you know anything about this sport at all, historically, it can often happen at the times you least expect. Steve Dace here, and we get asked a lot, hey, how can we support what you guys are doing at Michigan Podcast? Well, now is a great time to become one of our supporters on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast is where you can go. Patreon.com slash Michigan Podcast. And if you go there, we're going to make you a little jingle. Uh, in fact, you would have gotten these a few months ago, before the, long before the season even started. All of my 2023 football futures bets I've made thus far. I can't recommend a selection any more than I bet this myself. And last year, if you followed my football futures bets and you bet alongside of me, you made a pretty nice ROI chunk of change by the time the season ended. So keep up to date on all things we think and do uh, here at Michigan Podcast patreon.com at Michigan podcast, but more importantly, just five bucks a month. And chances are, you're going to make a lot more money than that following our sports betting selections, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Again, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. And thanks to all of you that have been supporting us already. We appreciate each and every one of you go blue. Time now for the 10-Minute War, and for that, we bring in the voice from the other side of the Scarlet and Gray Septic Tank, who also has his own channel here on YouTube. It's outstanding, if you ask me. The voice of college football, Mark Rogers. Good to see you again, my fellow uh, college football nut and my one and only Bucknut friend. How are you, brother? I'm doing just fine, Steve. 
I, I am the one and only. Okay. Well, well, it, you, it you, that's a little, that's a little over the top. Some of my best friends are buck nuts. Okay. Anyway, uh, let, let's get to it. Um, halfway through the year and Michigan is displaying historic levels of dominance. We're talking longer streaks of 30 point consecutive games since fielding Yost had, uh, we're talking the fewest points allowed uh, to open uh, the, the first half of a season since fielding Yost. Um, we're, we're talking number one in both Sagarin and SP+. No offensive uh, opponent has taken a snap inside our 10-yard line. J.J. McCarthy is number one in the nation in QBR. I mean, there's a lot to like here, but I, I still am a guy that did, wants to know who you've played. Now, as we get further into the year and we have more data, eye test and analytics, I think, matters more. So it matters more to me now than it did, you know, Labor Day weekend or the second week of the year. But still, there has not been that test yet, which is why I'm only ranking Michigan fifth in my poll when they're second in the major polls right now. So where do you come down on this? Typically, my rankings can be, any, or, you know, usually about 60% resume, 40% eye test slash analytics. But what do you think? Well, I was going through total offense and total defense. I was going more precisely into the advanced metrics. So the yards per play is a good stat uh, that's pretty simple and basic. And, and we know what the level of competition has been. So I don't have to go through it. Your listeners probably know, and I know that you know, what the uh, that the triple digits have typically been next to the opponent's total offensive rankings and yards per play rankings. Minnesota and the like have just not been good football teams. However, I will say to state it this way, and then I will state it this way in regards to the schedule. On one hand, I believe every team in the country has played a team that is better than the best team Michigan has played. If Michigan's best opponent is Rutgers, Minnesota, and Nebraska, how can you weigh those three? They're all about the same. I started scanning through teams, and I can't think of a team that has not played a better team than Michigan's best opponent. However, if we're looking at the best teams in the country, and there's typically four or five teams that we can look at and say, these are national championship contenders, maybe that list has grown to 10 or 12 this year at this point. All of those teams have struggled against somebody and somebody not that good. Hmm. So That's Michigan is the only team to Like Wyoming and Texas were tied 10 to 10 heading into the fourth quarter, yeah. for example. Yeah. You can go through no, I think shoot. Wyoming should be in the top 25, but but the point still stands. They're a group of five yeah. team. I hear you. Yeah. USC has been <clears> struggling <throat> for a month. Uh, so, you know, Florida State, Boston College, Georgia mm -hmm. against uh, some mid to low tier teams in the SEC. Everyone has struggled against someone except Michigan. They have been complete from start to finish. They've been able to pull starters in the third quarter. So even some of their offensive and defensive metrics have to be, shoot, the, the, the first consideration for me is, well, they haven't played anyone. But then the next consideration has to be, well, they have pulled starters very quickly in these games compared to the teams that we would compare those statistics against. So... They've been dominant wins and complete wins. They can only play the schedule. The coaches and players can only play the schedule. I will fall toward Manuel and the athletic department for pulling the big non-conference game the last two years. Which and I would also go ahead. Just say, Steve, I would also have a different perspective on this team if they were not the two-time defending Big Ten champion that disposed of Ohio State and Penn State last year 
Uh, if this was if this was 2021, yeah, then I have a much different look at it. <clears throat> That's an excellent point. And a lot of these players were the same players that did what you just talked about the last two years. So that. <clears throat> similar to Georgia, that's part of the calculus there. With, with Georgia, it's probably more their recruiting rankings because they got a ton of new faces. But yeah, I think that's a that's a smart take. What do you think about James Franklin taking a, a veiled shot at Michigan's schedule as he got ready to prepare for UMass, do you think? And his last well, I, game played Delaware. I mean, is, is, is self-awareness, what, what's, what's deader in America? Um, self-awareness, disco... I mean, what I mean, no, you're playing UMass, dude, and your last game was Delaware, and and this is the hill you're going to die on. I, I don't. Yes, so, because you scheduled West Virginia. That that's just <clears throat> who was preseason picked last in the Big Twelve. Now they've ended up being better than people thought, and they should get credit for that win. I'm not, I'm not here to say. I mean that there's. I mean Michigan's schedule, according to Sagarin's, is 69th. I think Penn State's around 40th. They played the better schedule. Some of that, though, is a conference schedule. They played Illinois at the time that they were, what, I think, uh, one and one. Uh, and they played Iowa, who's now five and one. And, you know, Michigan has nothing to do with the conference schedule. It's not, you know, not Michigan's fault that, they, you know, they, that Nebraska has a new coach and Minnesota has a new quarterback who can't throw the ball across the street. We can also look at it this way, Steve. <clears throat> what team in the country will play a tougher two opponents in November than Michigan will? So oh, because or three, depending on how you see Maryland sandwiched in there, too. But yeah, sure. sure yeah. Now, yeah. let's also when we're looking at coaches comments, how about this? Uh, forget what James Franklin said. What about what P.J. Flex said after the game? Oh, that he thought and, this was the best team he's ever coached against Michigan. was. Yeah. yeah. 11 years. And, and I actually went through uh, just kind of skimmed through the catalog upstairs to say, OK, who has he played? Well, They've typically played a top five team in the country, whether you go back to Western Michigan, taking on a, a college football playoff team in Michigan State and a number one ranked Ohio State team in 2015, all the way through these years, they typically run into somebody every year, the Ohio State team that won the Rose Bowl in 2018. They have run across some really good teams, top five teams consistently. So if he truly means that, and he gave some depth to that too. You know, he talked about every position's rock solid, they're aligned. They, they don't make mistakes. They played 74 players against us, and they all just did their roles, did their jobs. They're big. They're, they're as big, strong, fast as anybody I've seen. So he didn't just throw away that comment. He gave some depth to it. I think on paper, and from what I've seen from the eye test, um, it's, it's, it's at least the best Michigan team or maybe it has the potential to be, because we're still only halfway through the year, it has the potential to be the best Michigan team so far this century, I think. So that would put it ahead of 06. That would put it ahead of last year or the year before or 2003. Um, those would probably be the, the top four Michigan teams of the 21st century. And now you're getting back, you know, you're going, you're back to 1999 um, where, you know, Michigan's got a team loaded with uh, guys from the, 97 class that was number one in the country and a quarterback named Tom Brady beats Alabama in an orange bowl and the 97 team that won the national championship. So now you're going back to another era of college football too, you know, where you could actually win every week, 14 to 10, if you had to. So things were played differently than it, than it is now. But I, I do think it, it it's, it is, I mean, they're, they're putting up Alabama, Georgia kind of, or Ohio state kind of numbers 
against underwhelming competition. The, I'll say to you what I said before you came on. There are there's still two concerns that that I have, and and we're nitpicking, man. When you're winning <laughs> by 30 points every week. And in the grand history of the winningest program of all time, you, this, is, this is a longer streak of 30-plus points than Fielding Yost had. So when we're, when we're there, we're nitpicking. But that's, you know, we got to have something to talk about. And I think these might be legit nitpicks. I go back to the Bowling Green game. And, yeah, I think there should be an asterisk there. You don't have your head coach. And the guy that is coaching the team is also coaching the offensive line and coordinating the offense. So everybody's got a lot on their plate, okay? But I go back to Michigan played like garbage in that first half. You figure they're going to come out like a house of fire in the second half. They get the ball to start the half. They go three and out. I'm a little concerned about that. And, th- and then you could, if you go back and watch that game, you can visibly see J.J. McCarthy lose his composure. And if you look at his QBR, man, it's 90 plus, 90 plus, 90 plus, 10, 90 plus, 90 plus. I mean, so was that game an outlier? There's going to be moments when you're playing the teams we're playing at the end of the year where – you're not going to just Mike Tyson and Michael Spinks people. You're not just going to come out and scare the hell out of them and knock them out in the first round as they're running away from you. They're going to they're going to be able to Buster Douglas you. They're going to be able to Evander Holyfield you. They're going to yeah. They you're the biggest you're the, you're throwing the biggest punches, but we're not going to be so easy to knock out. And in that case, you know, can Michigan consistently apply the pressure? And I think a lot of these are the guys that faced that in Columbus last year. And so I think the I think the answer is probably yes, but. That's the one thing I am concerned about moving forward. Yeah, from a motivational standpoint, incentive, confidence, take all those intangibles and throw them in uh, to what goes through these athletes' minds and hearts and then them collectively. I think Michigan's in a great position because they're not a complete unknown. They don't need to prove it to themselves, I don't believe, at this point. They've gone through Ohio State two consecutive years. They've won the Big Ten Championship. They were on the field with TCU. They knew. They know that they blew that game. Credit TCU with being there to, to, to receive the gifts. But they know, they know that they blew that game. But there's still the hunger and the incentive and the drive to reach the, the very tip of the mountaintop. So I think that's a good place to be where you have the confidence knowing, hey, we know how to win big games against elite teams. We've done it, but we, we haven't achieved our goals yet. So there's still that hunger and that drive to do so. You'll get this analogy. Here's the thing where I may be the most confident. I, I go back to your team that probably won the national championship a year before they were supposed to. And they had like that super sophomore class like Woody Hayes had back in the day. Okay. And you know, Taylor Decker and Ezekiel Elliott and Michael, all these guys are phenomenal. And they kind of all matured at once and they win the, the, the college football playoff in, in 2014. All those guys, because they're all like all sophomores, all have to come back for 2015, right? Preseason number one, I think you were a unanimous number one, actually. One of the, you know, I think, I think Georgia this year was the first unanimous preseason number one in the AP poll since that Ohio State team. And, and that Ohio State team beat everybody, but had a lot of games where it was sloppy. I think of that game at Indiana as just one example. You know, it was, it was kind of, they kind of knew it was basically a two or three game year. You had Michigan State and Michigan both at the end of the year, and we're kind of at peak D'Antonio for Michigan State, right? And you face that adversity of the terrible weather. Michigan might face that this weekend with Indiana, by the way. And Indiana's defensive line, I, I do, you guys saw it. I do think it's legit. I do. It might be the only legit unit on the team. But if you're going to have one legit unit on a team, that's the one to have legit, okay? 
and and Michigan State muddies that game up, finds a way to win, and and that Ohio State team doesn't win a national championship. That's I, I think about that team with our team a lot, where a lot of these guys came back, and they didn't have to. They just chose to because, you know, they had unfinished business, and, you know, we've got a good NIL program for bringing guys back. The one thing, though, that impresses me, take away Baylor, or I'm sorry, take away Bowling Green in the first half, there hasn't been any sloppiness. In fact, this last game, Mark, it's the first time since 1980 Michigan's played a game and didn't get called for a single penalty. And, and you know, that Ohio State team in 2015 was so much more talented than every opponent. It was basically playing itself every week. And remember the one game you lost. Like, you're in a driving rainstorm. You've got a first-round picket tailback. Run him into the ground. And for whatever reason, you're out here chucking and ducking rather than just putting the ball in Ezekiel Elliott's belly. You know this history better than me, right? And Ezekiel Elliott loses his mind in the media the next week. Against us, of course, you figure out, let's give the guy the ball and blow us off the field, all right? But that we have not seen with this team because when you are in Ohio State 2015 or a Michigan 2023, you're competing against yourself more than the opponent virtually every week. And so you're looking for precision. You're looking for discipline. I mean, this is the least penalized team in the country, and it's had four different head coaches. That, that is kind, that's one of those little things that gives me confidence for when we do face that moment that someone can stand in the middle of the ring and punch us back. So we, we can't evaluate the, these athletes uh, looking at the 2015 Ohio State team versus the 2023 Michigan team and evaluate you know how seriously they're taking it, how focused they are. That 2015, obviously, team wasn't for the most part. But I do think that, that most of that probably comes from them winning the national championship. So they already had that Good in point. their hip pocket. Yep. Yep. And this was just icing on the cake. And they probably looked at that schedule and thought, we can we can win all the games and then we can turn it on late and still win a national championship. I don't think they were mailing. I don't think you go 12-1 and one and no. win the Fiesta Bowl and beat Michigan by four touchdowns and beat Notre Dame by multiple scores and finish number three by completely mailing it in. But I got to think that they were a bit full of themselves and knew how good they were and thought, we can turn it on right at... Th- Shoot, Michigan State was really their first really good opponent the next to last week of the season, similar to Michigan's mm-hmm. schedule this year. They didn't play anyone throughout the season. Virginia Tech really wasn't that good of a non-conference foe. Um, so uh, a little bit different than Michigan still wanting to to grab the prize. Good stuff, my friend. Always good to see you. Thank you for the time. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate it. You bet. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you who was Michigan's first half MVP. 73% of you said J.J. McCarthy, and that is the correct answer. 18% of you said Roman Wilson, also not a bad answer. 5% of you, or 6% of you said Mike Sandra still, also not a bad answer. And 3% of you said Chris Jenkins. None of these were bad answers. That's why I nominated all four of them. That brings us to our feedback of the week. Ryan says Michigan's first half MVP is the schedule. I hope that is so snotty. I hope it's a fan of another team. Respect. That that's a that's a tip of the cap there, for sufficient levels of snottiness for sure. Respect. I liked it. All right, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, share, follow, uh, whatever applies. However you watch, like right here on YouTube or. Uh, listen, like maybe on iTunes, we would love it if you would help us 
Uh, find more Michigan fans just like you. And I haven't asked for these in a while, too. Uh, leave us five-star reviews. The algorithms really like those as well. If you love the show, please leave us a five-star review. And again, help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And you can also find us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast as well. And you can usually find me on game day on Twitter at some point having an emotional, nervous breakdown. So uh, those are always fun unless you're me. Uh, but they're fun for everybody else. <laughs> we are back at it again next week right here on Michigan Podcast. Until then, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.